Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. That is um, 205 or 204 in Voices Together, and it is a really nice, it's a different version. Like, we're all so used to the one, the version that we're going to sing at the end of You Shall Go Out With Joy, but it's a different version of it, and I really liked it. But I was told it was going to be too tricky to sing, so we're going to put a pin in it, and um, the musical people here can, like, figure out, like, a quartet of it or something. Um, I'm just put that, putting that out there. So we had to, we had to go with the, the video. So welcome. Um, today is um, World Communion Sunday. And we, so on World Communion Sunday, we celebrate that Christ's peace extends throughout all creation. Whenever the church gathers for worship, we are assured of Christ's peace. We celebrate that we are connected, we are loved, and we are not alone. We worship together and are fed from scripture and at Christ's table of peace. Extending the peace of Christ is part of an active, engaged faith, a witness to what it means for us to be the church together. God's peace empowered by God's joy reminds us that we are connected to each other. We are not alone and peace begins with each of us. And I've always loved World Communion Sunday, just the thought of all the churches all over the world, all different faiths, everybody taking communion today. And uh, fun fact, they, World Communion Sunday started in 1940. And the worship materials that we're using are from a Presbyterian pastor in Atlanta, K.T. Owen Amen. The, the theme is uh, from Isaiah 55, you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. If you can stand and join with me the, for the call to worship, this is adapted from Isaiah 55. It's in your bulletin. From north and south and east and west, the mountains and the hills burst into song. Your steadfast love never ceases. The first song is number 10 in Voices Together here in this place.
Our call to confession is from 2 Timothy. God's grace was given to us in Christ before the ages began. In spite of God's love for us and gift of love to us, we often act in destructive and hateful ways. Trusting in Christ's mercy that never ends, let us be honest, let us with honesty confess our sins before God and one another. If you could join me reading the prayer of confession. It's in your bulletin. Gracious Lord, you created the whole world and called it good. But we look and see division and suffering. Call us to maintain the unity of spirit to peace. Choose division over diversity, confrontation over civility, conflict over peace born from justice. Call us to love the least of these among us, that we hear the cries of the oppressed and choose our own comfort. Bring sacrifice for our neighbors. Forgive us, grant us fresh visions. Rekindle us in your gifts, the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline with faith in Christ, we may be made new, part of the bringing forth your peaceable kingdom. Amen. We call to mind your promises, and therefore we find hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies are new every morning. Believe in the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our scripture is Isaiah 55, the whole chapter. I think I heard Lauren say woo when it was the whole chapter, right? Yeah. All right. Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. 
Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. For my, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but, I will, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So those of you who are familiar with my uh, reflection style will know that um, I particularly like to take several passages and just and, and kind of string them together in, in sort of a common thread, you know, try to figure out why they appear together in the lectionary, but still, you know, respect their, their individual meanings um, and maintain that integrity. But uh, for this one, when I saw that it was just one straight chapter, I thought, wow, this is going to be easy street. Uh, and initially, it kind of seemed like it was. But there are these, I call them like squirrel passages in there, as if the author got distracted as he was writing. Um, I, I would say he had ADHD, but he gets... In my experience, it's much harder to get back on track, so I'm not going to try to diagnose him with that. Um, so, yeah, that's I, the way I decided to approach this was uh, to just kind of split it into parts, take it apart that way, and then and then kind of see if I could uh, draw it together. Um, so. Yeah, let's go ahead and start with um, the very beginning, uh, chapters 1 through 3. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. See my faithful love promised to David. So at the time that this was written, it was towards kind of the end of uh, Jewish exile. Um, the king, uh, Babylon was beginning to fall, and Persia was taking over. Um, and uh, the Persians were a little more keen on letting uh, the Jews return to Israel and Judea. Uh, in fact, in Nehemiah, 
it is under Artaxerxes that they do so. Um, so it was a fairly hopeful time uh, for, for uh, the Jewish people who were living in exile. And this, this concept of God just calling, just come as you are. I, I don't, well, I, I care, but I don't care what has happened. Uh, j just come back. Um, and it reminded me of a couple of images, um, both of them revolving around the concept of an open door. The first one that came to mind was actually, well, actually, before those two images, the first one that came to mind was the, uh, the story of the prodigal son uh, from the New Testament. Um, you know, just this, this compassionate calling back and welcoming back in spite of what has happened. Uh, and then another one I thought about going to the, the door theme, uh, was the advice that I've given to LGBT friends who have poor relationships with their families, who are facing rejection. And what I'll frequently tell them is, walk out if you must, but leave the door open. Don't close it behind you as a way to sort of say that distance may likely be necessary, but I, I discourage them from keeping that distance permanent, regardless of the, their family's intentions or, or, or measures that they, they, or, you know, attempts to, to, to come to terms with things um, be, and become accepting. Um, you know, if they're willing to do that work, uh, I, I encourage people to, to open back up to their families. And then another image that came to mind was actually uh, from the uh, 1990, or 1944 play No Exit by Jean-Paul Sartre. I don't, I don't know if I said that right. It's French. Um, <laughs> it, you... you I, I am only like Wikipedia uh, acquainted with it. Um, but if you are familiar with the phrase, hell is other people, that's where it comes from. So the general plot of the story is that these three individuals, um, Garcine, Inez, and Estelle, are damned to hell. But it turns out that hell is just a room like a, a normal room, uh, no mirrors, but otherwise a, a normal room, where they've been put in there to, to basically torture each other, and they do a good job of it. Um, and about two-thirds of the way through the play, the door just opens. And primarily Garcine um, is given the opportunity to just leave. Uh, and spoilers, he doesn't. And uh, it, it just kind of struck me that, yeah, God, God feels the need to call out to come back. Um, and, and for now, I'd just like you to kind of 
Let that percolate a bit, and then I'll move on to the rest. So go, starting with uh, chapter three, a little bit from the last one, give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Now, I initially read this in ESV, and that actually is, it is a bit of a squirrel segment, like I said earlier, but in ESV it is even more so, because uh, in chapter 5, it actually starts out, it, it sounds like it's saying almost the opposite. Um, if I remember correctly, I, I'm borrowing one of Martin Luther's, or I'm borrowing an NIV version right now, but um, you know, it was like, nations who know you not will rule you. Like almost op pretty much opposite. And that really, you know, that, that, that was confusing for sure. Uh, especially, I mean, when it's this version, it fits a little better, but it's still going from come to me to this sort of like national, you know, promise to David thing that's a little bit off track. Um, so I guess what I initially, or I guess what I, what I kind of took away from that was, you know, it, it could be along the lines of just, hey, you're going to be a, a great nation again. But I also wonder, especially given that there's this other translation that sounds almost opposite, that I wonder if this is sort of God beginning to pull away from the notion of, you know, his, his chosen people and his blessing being tied to a physical, on, you know, land, arbitrary lines on maps nation. Um, it, it could have been just the beginning of, you know, you know God's kingdom being, being in our hearts and and among God's people, not in the the form of a kingdom as we would traditionally think. So, moving on again. Chapter six: Seek the Lord while He may be found; call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and He will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. So this is, this is back on track again. This is, again, you know, come, seek. Uh, it is a bit more active. It's more than just coming and eating and drinking. It is, you know, come, seek the Lord. You know, forsake your evil ways um, and, and turn towards the Lord. It's a little bit more active here. Um, but still. You know, still on that main main track. So moving on to chapter 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What is this passage doing here? I, I'm, it reminds me of when you submit an academic paper and you get the comments back and one of the reviewers has like this ax to grind in the discipline and, and it's some, with something that's only tangentially related to yours and so they put in your comments that you need to include it and rather than fight it, you just, just mention it and it looks, it, it just has its own paragraph that's completely out of place. Um, I, I did wonder for a second. I, I know that the Bible wasn't peer-reviewed per se, but it seems like it's the work of reviewer number two. Um, but yes, this, this passage does, in fact, get a lot of mileage in the Christian tradition, um, and typically as a response to seeing, you know, or experiencing uh, evil or suffering. Uh, just sort of this confidence, you know, God's ways are not our ways. Um, you know, God has a plan for us. Um, and, and it's often found to be quite comforting. But uh, as I was actually recently uh, listening to a podcast lately, uh, the host is a former pastor, uh, current uh, professor, who said that it, it struck him a bit contradictory that Christians so often behave as if we know what God's up to. Uh, you know, we know his position on, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, social issue. We, we know exactly how much he wants us to donate to the church and to other charitable causes. Um, and frequently when you press them on this, they'll just say, well, God says so. God says so. That's... Like, I know, I know what God's ways are here until I don't. Um, in fact, when I was in drum corps, we, we stayed at a church overnight, and we were in, uh, you know, my group of people stayed in what was like their youth room or something, and they had these posters that they had like hand-drawn, you know, or not so much posters, it was all written, but they had like done it by hand, put it up on the walls. Some of them were Bible verses, Others were things like, uh, one of the ones that I, the only one I like remember specifically was, um, it was a quote like, the big bang, or the big bang, you have to be kidding me. And then just, you know, dash God. As if this was a quote directly from God. And they, it, it seemed to, it's like, you're giving your own words that you think God is saying more weight than these actual scriptures that you have up. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, well, it's not directly related. Um, not, not only is it, uh, you know, a call to, to have peace in God's plan, but a little bit of a call to have some humility in, in what we think God wants and our, our own, you know, theology, what we've come to think of God's word. So, moving on once again. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish 
so that it yields seed for the sower and the bread and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So this portion is kind of what brings that last portion and reels it in. Um, it, it's sort of, you know, using that theme of, of God having an ultimate plan that we don't necessarily know because his ways are higher. Um, the writers say, as, you know, there are these, you know, natural processes that aren't necessarily pleasant at the time, but ultimately they, they nourish the earth and they ultimately nourish us. So similar to that, you know, we can, the same way we have faith that the rain will ultimately help grow the crops that feed us, we can have faith that, you know, while, you know, while God's people were in exile, God was able to use that exile to bring that, to bring them back to him um, and ultimately bring them back to their land. Um, and then in the end, uh, the, the part that we frequently sing, uh, you will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Um, so, so that part, you know, back on that main topic, um, despite the, the little tangents uh, in the scripture. Uh, and I almost was going to leave this here. But then one of the things that I thought about was that Back to that play that I was talking about, No Exit. Most you know, scholars, critics, what have you, will say that the reason that um, Garcin did not leave when the door opened was because he had allowed the people he was with to define and take hold of his self-concept and therefore his free will. They controlled the way he saw himself, so they controlled him. And the, the reason why I come back to this is because I thought of something else uh, in the prior week. And that is of having, you know, steers and, and, and cows and, you know, farm animals in 4-H. And, you know, Throughout most of the time I did that, you know, I would be handling animals that weighed 10 times as much as I did. Uh, they should have been able to easily overpower me, um, but I, I mean, through a lot of hard work and training, you know, I was able to overpower them, so to speak, and that's because I used a halter that went over their head and, you know, you can go to a, a county fair or a state fair, you'll see kids 
leading around animals that are, you know, 10 or more times their size. One, because they've done a lot of work to train that animal. And two, because they're controlling the animal's head. And in fact, if you look at rodeo cowboys, who weigh roughly what I do, maybe a bit more, uh, taller and lankier, um, but they'll, they'll do an event called bulldogging, where they jump off a horse and then wrestle like a, a calf or a yearling who is that, or that is much larger than them and wrestle it to the ground by its head. If you control the head of an animal, you control the animal itself. I mean, there, there are other ways of, of restraining a, a farm animal, but that is sort of the most haunting way. Because if you look at like a rope halter, it's, it's a piece of rope. It's not this intimidating machine. Yet people can control an animal 10 times their size when they use it. And it just made me come back to this and think that this passage in Isaiah, as you know, these people may have had a chance to, to leave exile, was probably pretty important because it, it renewed hope and it told the Jewish people who they were. It told them their self-concept, that they belonged to God and that God was calling to them. Because had they not had that hope, they might have been like um, Garcine in No Exit. They might have just stayed because a conquering nation told them who they were. And they, you know, had they not had that guidance from God, they would have believed what that conquering nation told them. And that just really hit me for, you know, today. And while it's not necessarily in the concept of like a conquering nation, uh, you know, the, the forces around us like to tell us who we are and tell us how things are and therefore kind of put that halter on our heads. And I think that when we, when we come back to God and, and our identity in God and we come to each other, that's a way for us to throw off that halter. Um, so, yeah, this is, it, it was a really joyous passage and it's good that it was because I got a little heavy towards the end there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, thank you all, uh, for listening. I, uh, look forward to your responses. Thank you, Liz. We are going to move into our time for communion, and I've asked Amy to help me so that you don't have to listen to my voice the whole time. You can listen to both of our voices. Again, all of this is from um, the World Communion Sunday materials. Do you want to use this? The Lord be, the Lord be with you. And also with you. We lift up our hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
it is right to give our thanks and praise. We give you thanks and praise, God, for all creation, for all the blessings of your earth and all your children, for the mercies you pour forth in the, the fresh rains and harvests of plenty, for the joy that comes in the morning. We are a grateful people. You created a world of harmony and peace, but our yearning for power and privilege throughout history led to division and conflict, suffering and violence. We give thanks that you sent prophets and poets to, to lament and remind, to bear witness and call us to yet a better way, to write the vision of a peaceable kingdom for all to see. With fresh eyes and renewed hope, we join our voices with those around the world and with your heavenly chorus to sing, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. We give you thanks that in the fullness of time you sent your son Jesus to bear witness to your mercy, grace, and love. In his living, he showed us how to love. In his dying, he offered us undeserved mercy. In his rising, he granted us grace. Through even faith as small as a mustard seed, his witness rekindles in us the gifts of God. Not so that we can hold on to, those, to these gifts for ourselves, but so that we can be united across the globe as one family of faith gathered around one table, sharing in one holy meal, sustained by a love that binds us together in peace. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon our many tables, trusting that Christ is the host of our sacred meal together. May the blessing of grain from the earth and fruit, fruit of the vine be a reminder of the true joy of communion that unites us in one worldwide covenant of love. Sustained by your word, fed by this holy meal, May we go out with joy and be led forth in, forth in peace. Through Christ, our peace. Amen. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, When you share bread together, remember me. After supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. When you drink it together, remember me. Christ's table is wide and his welcome is for all. Jesus dined with sinners and saints, with farmhands and foreigners, with disciples and doubters, with children and cherished friends, with the outcasts and the, un and the outspoken, with lepers and loved ones. And just as he ate at others' tables, when Christ has set his banquet table, he welcomed us all too. As we gather around Christ's table, we are united with all God's beloved across the world through the love and grace made known in bread broken and cup passed. So come, so come to the table where we witness Christ's love and peace for all. Do you want me to read that? I can read it. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, the bread um, that we have is dairy-free, dairy gluten-free, and egg-free. Um, when you come up the center aisles, um, take a piece of bread and a cup of juice and return to your seat through the side aisles. And there's rubbish bins. Um, they'll be located throughout the sanctuary for the juice cups. 
All right, um, the table is prepared. Um, come. And we'll listen to um, verse, Voices Together 49, All Who Are Thirsty. It'll be played for us, but if you want to follow along in your hymnal, you can. Please pray with me. God of all nations, you have poured out your blessings upon all the peoples of the earth. Grant us eyes to see your gifts of faith and love. Appoint us as heralds of your mercies that we, of your mercies that are new every morning. Empower us to write the vision of your peaceable kingdom where destruction and violence are no more where suffering and wars shall cease. Through our worship, empower us to be sent out with joy as bearers of your hope in a hurting world. Through Christ, amen. Our closing hymn is You Shall Go Out With Joy. And we'll sing it as many times as Lori wants us to. Mm -hmm. 847, would you please stand? And we will sing it two times. standing for our blessing and the peace of Christ, the love of God, and the joy of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Alleluia. Go out in joy, bearing witness to the good news of the gospel, and be led forth in peace, sharing the peace of Christ with all. Amen. You can be seated.